0: Hello, I'm Donna Robinson, a lawyer with the Arts Law Centre of Australia. This podcast is produced by Arts Law in partnership with DesArt, the peak body for Central Australian Aboriginal Arts Centres. This podcast is part of a series of podcasts for arts centres and for the broader visual arts community, where we discuss the legal issues that regularly impact arts centres, artists and arts organisations. In this episode, we're talking about managing your data and the steps the organisation and artists need to take from a legal perspective to protect their own information and the information of others. Today, we're talking to Jane Supert, a Senior Executive Lawyer with the Australian Government Solicitor and Director of their Sydney office. Jane is a commercial lawyer and has a focus in her work on media and the arts. Welcome, Jane.
1: Oh, hi, Donna. Thank you very much for having me.
0: We are all increasingly communicating during our working day on our computer, via emails, instant messaging, video calls, completing information in online forms, viewing information online, and of course, shopping online. The information we convey, including our footsteps as we traipse across the internet, is all captured and backed up and is available for access if needed, and sometimes that access is unwanted. We have a responsibility to protect other people's privacy and ensure their personal details aren't disclosed without their consent. Some of this responsibility is enshrined by government-made laws. Others may be set out in contracts or in terms and conditions of use of online services. First, let's clarify what it is we talk about when we're talking about data governance, cybersecurity and information privacy. Jane, to start off, what is data?
1: Well, data can include things such as personal information, like people's names and addresses. It also includes business information, like who an artist's agent is, or how much their latest artwork sold for. It could also include copies of artworks or films or music recordings. A technical definition for data is that it's any information, in a form, capable of being communicated, analysed or processed. The important thing is that data is a valuable asset for any business in the same way that tangible assets are. So this means that in the same way that we take measures to protect tangible assets, like our premises or paintings or even keeping film or music tapes in tape houses, we need to pay close attention to how we protect the security of our data. In addition to being a valuable asset, there are a number of legal responsibilities and risks associated with holding and properly managing data. For example, these include legal obligations in relation to privacy, confidentiality, protection of trade secrets, and the protection of intellectual property.
0: Thanks, Jane. Now, cyber security sounds all very sci-fi, but it also has a common meaning in the day-to-day management of our computers, systems, and data. What does cyber security mean? First, if you could look at it generally, and then from the perspective of an arts centre or arts organisation or artist?
1: Well, in a nutshell, when we're talking about cyber security, we're talking about the practice of defending our systems, our networks and our data from malicious cyber hackers that may attempt to gain control over information for some gain. The gain may be financial, it could be political, it could be reputational damage, or in some cases, even terrorist activities. So effectively, if someone without permission breaks into your cyber system to steal or to damage your system or data, um, it is known as hacking or phishing. And cybersecurity means to protect against these things.
0: Another term we hear about when talking about managing our information and records is data governance. What is it and why is it important?
1: Well, data governance really goes to the quality of our data and the utility and value of the data. And this is all influenced by the way that we govern data. So when we're talking about data governance, we're talking about the oversight mechanisms that formalise responsibility and accountability for data assets and its management within a business. The purpose of data governance is to ensure that data is properly managed according to the policies and procedures developed by the business, and that people understand their responsibilities. It enables an organisation to understand, manage and reduce risks, including security and privacy risks relevant to the particular data. What we suggest is that a business has a data governance policy, and that it should cover things like data integrity and availability, usability and security, the conduct of reviews and audits to identify what data needs to be operable based on value and risk, the monitoring of information platforms, systems and applications, controls to mitigate the risks of sharing, custody, ownership or shared access agreements, and the conditions on which information can be shared legally and ethically, as well as the coordination of roles and responsibilities for stewardship, curation and maintenance of data. If we have policies in place such as these, it helps us to ensure the integrity of our data. And without adequate data governance, valuable data can be stolen and ransomed back to the organisation.
0: Now, moving on, artists are running a business too, as sole traders, and art centres and arts organisations are often small to medium-sized businesses. Let's look at what they need to do to put the right systems in place. We'll discuss a checklist of things to think about and ideally have as part of their business systems. What does an art centre or organisation need to do to ensure it has strong data governance? What steps do you recommend they take and what processes and procedures should they put in place?
1: A great place to start is, is quite simple um, and that is doing some due diligence on the data that the organisation holds and deals with. Um, the kind of, kind of questions that are good to ask when doing some due diligence are what data is obtained and where does it come from? Who has access to the data? Where does the data flow to? That is, do contractors obtain the data? Do we give it to customers or clients? Where is the data stored? What is the value of certain data? So being aware of the uh, value of particular data. And lastly, and quite importantly, what are the legal responsibilities of the business in relation to the data that it holds? For instance, privacy, intellectual property, or confidentiality duties. If we start with this audit, it will help us as a business to develop strong foundational data governance principles. Some of the practical things that we can then do are to construct a data register, This will assist us in understanding where data, such as personal information, is collected and stored. We'll also determine whether security measures are in place to deter and or restrict access to potential hackers or those that do not require such access. We then develop internal policies and guidance to implement data governance and data management strategies. We need to ensure transparent dealing when we're dealing with our customers. This is important to the integrity of a business and its standing in the business community. We need to make sure that customers have options to not opt into marketing information and to advise them of the consequences of not disclosing personal information. Uh, one very practical thing we can do is to consider adopting cloud solutions to back up our data. Cloud has the benefit of offering flexibility scalability and end-to-end business visibility. Backing up data is important to ensuring business continuity. If possible, discuss the data management strategies with an external IT consultant to discuss the strengths and weaknesses of your IT systems and the protections against cyber hacks. Remember that data is an important asset and keeping it secure is critical to the success of any business.
0: Thank you, Jane. Well, you've given us a, a, a good list of things that that clients need to think about uh, with setting up a data register, developing internal policies and guidance, ensuring transparent dealings and, and having some sort of backup data options such as cloud solutions. Is there anything else that an art centre or organisation or artist needs to do to protect their data?
1: Look, I think it's important to keep in mind that a cyber security incident could result in the loss of data, it could result in loss of revenue, damage to reputation and even break down customer trust. Um, There are examples where we've seen with small businesses where data is compromised. And one example that's quite common is ransomware attacks. This is where data is encrypted by hackers who then seek a ransom payment in order to unencrypt the data. In these kinds of attacks, um, data can be lost um, and significant uh, damage can occur to a business. So um, what we suggest is thinking about mitigations against this type of risk. If we have cloud storage, for instance, it may mean that we've got a backup of yesterday's data. So it's quite easy then to reload that and you don't have to pay ransomware and you don't have the issue of having encrypted data. Um, some more simple ways to, to mitigate against this risk are to put very valuable data onto external hard drives, such as USB flash drives. Um, they're portable, they're easy to use, and they're capable of storing large files. In the case of uh, valuable music recordings or film, you may even have an external tape a copy of original copies um, of, of those recordings. Um, so there are ways to mitigate against the risk, And ideally, be in a position that if you suffer a ransomware attack, you can avoid making their payment and yet um, restore all of your data and and not have those, those issues.
0: Well, email data is a very common form of data and it can often be overlooked as a type of data that we need to protect. It needs to be protected too. I've been given an example where false invoices have been created for an art centre and we had one... Arts centre who was a victim of a $10,000 invoice being sent to their accountant from the apparently from the art Centre manager when it wasn't. Have you had any of those kinds of experiences or can you comment on those kinds of experiences?
1: Yeah, so these are often re- referred to as phishing. Um, and really the key with these and avoiding um, that, that sort of risk is end-user education. Um, and what this means is that we need to teach users within our business about how to manage cybersecurity threats, including identifying suspicious email and also implementing other security measures to ensure the system of any organisation is protected. Um, It's quite common for these emails to be sent uh, falsely um, and purporting to be from someone who has authority to request a payment. So anyone who's in charge of making payments really should be educated in identifying these emails. It may be as simple as picking out that Um, a single letter in the email address is not quite correct. Um, And it could even be the tone of the email and recognising that, you know what, that person doesn't write in that style or with that tone. Um, So some of those things um, we can think about, but it really is a question of training people who are responsible for making payments to be able to identify phishing um, and to to ensure that they don't make payments in that way. Um, I think the other thing is there's sometimes a bit of embarrassment and shame where this occurs and I've, you know, I have seen examples where where this has occurred Um, but it's not uncommon and there are very sophisticated organisations that um, regularly conduct these fishing exercises and a certain percentage of them will be successful. Um, So it's really being aware of it um, and having um, the recognition by by the organisation that that this is a risk, even to a small business. Uh, Donna, some of the other strategies that we can include here are um, ensuring that our emails are password protected and, if possible, having two-factor authentication. Um, Other tips are don't ever open documents from unknown senders. Often just the fact of opening a document can um, cause a cyber attack. Uh, and sometimes they'll purport to be from, you know, the tax office or the post office. So often it's hard to recognise. So it's really a question of making sure we know uh, who we're dealing with electronically, even via email.
0: Jane, is that opening the email itself or or does the problem arise if you open a, an attachment or a link within the email? Yes.
1: Yeah, so it's usually an attachment or a link within the email. Uh, it might look as if it's um, you know, genuine, um, but it it may turn out that, in fact, that could be ransomware that will freeze up your entire hard drive um, and corrupt all of your data. Um, So, you know, there are other measures that we we put in place too to prevent against this. Um, We do recommend strong antivirus and firewall protection um, and also keeping devices up to date, so getting the latest security patches, keeping our software up to date... Um, And finally, making sure we don't use public Wi-Fi or public computers because often these networks are not encrypted and data on open networks can be intercepted by malicious parties. Um, The other thing that we can do that's quite helpful is um, the government has got a cyber quiz, so at cyber.gov.au, and it's probably worthwhile getting staff to undertake the cyber quiz Because it helps us to learn about how to identify these phishing emails um, or other cyber attacks Uh, and to do this regularly, probably once a year, because the methods of hacking keep evolving and becoming more sophisticated. So we really need to keep abreast with, you know, the latest techniques that um, sort of malicious actors may be using and to be keeping ahead ahead of the curve on our learning.
0: Now let's go to digital information and privacy control. Art centres are generally too small a business to fall within the Privacy Act, which requires a a turnover of $3 million. However, they may very well be subject to the Privacy Act as a condition of any government funding rate they receive. So we do recommend that art centres comply with and have a privacy policy. What things do they need to think about in managing their privacy policy and obligations?
1: I agree, Donna. I think even if there's not a legal requirement under legislation, um, there may well be one under, under contractual obligations that the business takes on to comply with uh, privacy law. Um, and in any case, it's just good, good governance uh, and good for a business to um, properly protect and, and deal with personal information. Um, what we suggest is that there'd be one person in the business that is responsible for privacy compliance, so a privacy uh, champion or contact. Um, and they can really find out most information they need to get off the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner's website, the um, OAIC which is a statutory agency that's responsible for privacy law and has a lot of very useful guidance that it publishes online. That's quite quite easy to read,
0: and its guidance is very much tailored towards the, us, the consumers, isn't it? It's not very high level or legal.
1: That's right. It's about it's it's practical guidance, and really the whole purpose of privacy law is um, building trust in in the disclosure of personal information and trusting that when we do disclose it, it's going to be used for the proper purpose. It's not going to be used in a way. Um, that would upset a customer. Uh, So there's a lot of benefits, really, for any business um, in following the privacy principles. So in the Privacy Act, um, it sets out the Australian Privacy Principles um, and these include a whole range of principles on how we deal with and handle um, personal information. Yeah, so under the Privacy Act, we have what are called the Australian Privacy Principles. And there are a set of principles that, um, for those organisations that are required to comply with the Privacy Act, um, set out principles for how we deal with and handle personal information. The first principle is that we have to be open and transparent in the way that we deal with personal information. And this means that we need to have a clearly expressed and up-to-date privacy policy. Most of us will be familiar with these when we click on pretty much any website these days or access information even from our banks, uh, for instance. um, We'll see that they will put up a privacy policy um, and when we use that service, we'll often have to click that we agree with the privacy policy. Um, And the privacy policy is really a transparent way of saying how the organisation will manage personal information, how it will use it and for what purpose. Um, the other important principles, and I won't go through them all verbatim, but just to pick out some of the others, is that personal information should be only be used for the purpose for which it was obtained. And we've seen some very big breaches of this principle from very big organisations um, that have, you know, captured a lot of media attention. And, Rightly attracted some public outrage in many cases, where or where people have disclosed their personal information to large online companies, for instance, um, and those companies have then used that information or sold it or used it for other purposes that the person never expected or intended when they gave their personal information. So um, one of the clear principles under the Privacy Act that is that you only can the organization can only use the personal information for the purpose for which it was obtained.
0: And that's the purpose that the user was advised is the purpose for which it was obtained.
1: That's right. Um, and, and a little tricky is that if you um, are receiving personal information that's provided for a third person, so if you're dealing with a person who's providing a third person's personal information, um, you need to be careful because you need to get the direct consent of that third person to the use of the personal information. Oh. Um, so this is a little um, tip that organisations may... Um, may include a requirement that the person obtains the consent of the third person to the use of the personal information.
0: So, if an art centre is acting as an agent for a for an artist, the artist in that case is the third person. So, if they're conveying that information to another art centre, for example, the other art centre, the third party, has to obtain direct consent from the artist. What do they need to obtain from the Home Arts Centre in that case?
1: So in that case, you would want, uh, if you're the third party in that relationship, um, you would want the person who's giving you the other person's personal information to have obtained their consent for your use of that information. Um, And this is often done in back-to-back provisions within contracts.
0: So in other words, confirmation from the Home Arts Centre that their, their artist has approved them providing the information to the third party arts centre would be sufficient. That's right. That's
1: right. Um, There are other um, principles too that are important to be aware of um, and some relate to holding uh, personal information in Australia and then situations where information is held overseas. So that could be relevant if you have a cloud service for instance that actually holds data outside of Australia. And there are other principles too in relation to um, not misusing or um, allowing for the interference or loss of of data. So, in a sense, it places an obligation onto us to make sure we have effective cybersecurity measures in place so that the data that we're holding isn't uh, improperly accessed and used. Um, Some of the practical ways that we can uh, make sure that we're complying with the privacy principles is to have a user-friendly privacy policy that people will see when they log on to your website. Uh, It could be a a pop-up or a link on the website. And the other way is that if customers are able to create an account on your website, you may have a click-to-agree checkbox there saying that they've read, they understand and they're happy to abide by your privacy policy. Well,
0: thanks very much, Jane. Is there anything more you wanted to add?
1: Look, I think just as a sort of point to sum up is that um, I think most businesses do think very carefully about the physical security of their assets Um, and, you know, all the way from having security guards or um, having uh, video surveillance or whatever it is that they have to protect the the physical um, premises and the physical assets that they have to maybe also expand that thinking to think about the data assets that you're holding and how do you protect those in the best way. Uh, and if necessary, to get advice on it in the same way that you would get advice on on physical protection. Um, For small businesses, we can't be across every single aspect. Um, There are certainly a lot of good resources there, so the Information Commissioner's resources um, are useful. But uh, when it comes down to it, every business will be a little unique in the sorts of um, data assets that it has and how it protects them, Um, and that's where, you know, having a consultant who can help you may, may be advisable if you don't feel that you're the you know, the the best person in town to be um, setting up these systems and pr- practices. I think once they're set up, though, um, they should be easy to understand and easy to apply um, um, and certainly will be very important to protecting the viability and the success of your business.
0: I think it's a great way to think of it. Make sure that the door's locked when you go home and make sure all the windows are secure.
1: That's right. It's very, very um, similar and all of us are dealing more and more, you know, in a digital world. So um, in pretty much every aspect of of our dealings, including our businesses, um, we have to be thinking in that way. Mm. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jane. Thanks Donna, it was a pleasure.
0: As always, if you have any questions, please contact ArtsLaw via email, artslaw at artslaw.com.au please drop us a line and let us know what you think. And if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to hear about, please let us know. As often the questions one person has are shared by others and we'll try to do a podcast on your question or give you one-on-one legal advice. This is part of a series of podcasts created by Arts Law in partnership with DesArt. You can find them on our website and on the SAM database and they'll be available on podcast services soon. You can also find our podcasts on various other topics, including copyright, moral rights, online exhibitions, social media and licensing. Thanks to Jane Supert for her time and thank you for listening. Goodbye. This podcast is intended as a guide to the law only. It is not legal advice and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice. Legal advice should be sought on the specific issues affecting you,